0: Good morning. Broken things can become blessed things if you let God do the mending. But I'd rather say it this way. Broken things can become blessed things that give God glory if you let God do the mending. This morning I'd like to talk about our trials, our hardships and sufferings. I know, not necessarily something that we enjoy talking about. But the book of John in chapter nine um, comes across a very interesting angle when it comes to trials, hardships, and sufferings. Starting on verse nine, uh chapter nine, verse one, it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone that you brought here. And Lord, uh, open our hearts and our minds to your word. Show us, Lord, that even in the midst of our sufferings and trials, that we can bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapter 9 starts off with Christ passing by a blind man that was blind from birth. And it sparked a question in the disciples, in their minds. So they asked Christ, in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, there were many beliefs and teachings that suffering and terrible things such as blindness was due to sin. In fact, some of the Jews even believed that some kind of reincarnation They believe in some kind of reincarnation that perhaps the man sinned in his previous life. But you know what I love? I love how Jesus answered his disciples. In verse 3, he says, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I want to say that last part again but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Kind of a weird thing to end up with. Blindness, suffering, begging. But yet in the midst of that, God's work would be displayed in this person's life. So Jesus shows us a different view. He didn't dwell on the theological puzzle of was it sin that caused this man from being blind? But because of his compassion, his compassion to actually help the blind man. It's as if he was telling his disciples, it's not for us to speculate. But to perform acts of mercy and love according to the gospel. Even in this ugliness, Christ found it as an opportunity to perform acts of love and kindness and bring God glory. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. This doesn't mean that God purposely caused this man to be born blind in order that he may, years later, uh, get receive glory. Because since the beginning of time, in the beginning of fall, the fall of man, sin entered the world. And so did sickness of all kinds. So we see that Jesus was pretty much Saying that God wants to work in through even this unfortunate man's blindness, now fill in the blank for him it was blindness for many of us, it could be something else that God wants to work in and through this unfortunate event that we might be going through. in other words, Jesus redirects the question away from why is this happening and into an idea of... What can God do in this trial and suffering? Have you ever asked yourself that? Not natural for us to ask ourselves that. I don't know about you, but when something unfortunate happens to me, some kind of trial, some kind of hardship, some kind of suffering, maybe even a sickness, I don't naturally go to what can God do in this? I usually go to why me or why did this Why did I deserve this? What did I do? And I would say that most of you probably go there too. But we need to look at this in a different view. Opportunities, openings, and occasions. Because that's exactly what they are. When we're going through sufferings and trials, they're actually opportunities. They're actually an occasion for us to bring glory to God. It's actually an opening for us to bring glory to God. But we dwell in why me? We dwell in what did I do? And we're actually stealing an opportunity for us to bring glory to him. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. So this is how Christ saw it. And this is how we should see it. Whenever we see a person in sorrow, whenever we see a person in trouble, the way to look at it is not to blame that person or even ourselves or ask how or he or she got there, but to say here is an opportunity, an opening and an occasion for God's almighty love to be demonstrated. What can we do at that time? Should we blame them? Should we say that's what you get for doing this, for living that type of lifestyle? Or we, we can turn it around and we can say, let's pray. Let me tell you about this God that loves you and cares you, cares for you, even under these circumstances. Here is an occasion for the display of the grace and goodness of the Lord. So on verse four, it says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. This is Christ talking. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. But so are we. John 3:19 through 21 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done, it has been done in the sight of God. See, Jesus knew that his time on earth was short. And he understood that opportunities for service and doing good, don't last forever. Do we? Sometimes we think that we have all the time in the world. In fact, Jesus knew that healing this man on the Sabbath would bring greater opposition from the religious leaders who already wanted to silence and killing him, wanted to kill him. In fact, in the previous chapter of chapter 9, Jesus, Jesus was ready to be stoned by the Pharisees. But that did not stop Christ from doing his work. We see in John 8:58 through 59, it says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He was saying this to the Pharisees. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, get this. He didn't say, well, guys, you know, I kind of caused a lot of trouble already in one day. I should probably take it easy for a couple days. They almost stoned me. Maybe I shouldn't do anything else for a while. But that's not what he did. His compassion for the man drove him to do it anyway. To bring healing to him. On the Sabbath. It didn't stop him. Christ's focus was doing the work of his father. While he was still here. That was his focus. But you know that's a great question isn't it? Great question for us. Are we going to do his work. As long as we're here. Christ had compassion. Towards the man born blind. Just like he had compassion towards us. We were born spiritually blind. Weren't we? Christ. Had a due diligence. To do the work of his father. While he was still here on earth. And because of his compassion. And due diligence. He seized every opportunity. To glorify God. In something or a situation that the world would see as an unfortunate gloom or bad luck. Isn't it e- interesting that that we are more than happy to glorify God and celebrate and thank Him when things are great? But yet, when things are not going so well, that's the last thing we can think of. We're probably begging, we're probably asking for help, rightfully so. But imagine if we can take that that moment that we're suffering, that we're in pain, that maybe we lost someone, maybe we lost our own job, and say, God, even in the midst of this, I glorify you. Even in the midst of this, I want to give you glory. You see, if you're a believer, you are not of this world either. Scripture tells us that we are not of this world. John 17, 14 says, and this is Christ. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they. Which is us, if you're a believer. Are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. We are not of this world if you're a believer. John 15:19 also says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I think actually that's a pretty good gauge because if the world's not hating you, chances are you're not a chosen one. You're not a believer. Or you're pretending not to be. Folks, while we're still here on earth, we need go about our Father's business. We need to focus on sharing the gospel and bringing our Father glory, even in the ugly situations, even in our trials. Verse 6 says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which actually means sent. That's the name of that pool. Sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Amen. How many of you think that although this is something that Christ did, you can't help but to think that it's kind of a bit yucky. I mean, he spit. And I'm going to go there because I was thinking about this in my notes, so hopefully you don't see it as a bad thing. But I really think that God was a man's man. And almost like how Pastor Tommy says, he wasn't this softy that walked around kind of like a hippie. And I really think he did like this. (laughs) and then mix it with the dirt. And I know, I'm just joking. But I truly believe that he was a man's man, and he took that, and he's going to say, I'm going to show the world that even though this is an ugly situation, I'm going to show the world that even though in their eyes it looks like a permanent thing, that this man will always be blind, that he's being blamed because of a sin that he didn't commit, I'm going to show the world That I can bring glory to him, to his father, in the midst of this ugliness. But really, the mud was really symbolic too. Symbolic to sin, symbolic to the creation of man being created from dirt. And to live in our sin, that's what the mud really represented. But then he sent him to wash his eyes in the water. Where he was to be cleansed. Now, verse eight. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying this. And I wanna I want to see if that sounds familiar, maybe in your life. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is him. Others said, No, but he's like him. So in other words, he looks like him. He looks familiar. And some were saying, yeah, that's him. But he himself, the, the man who was healed said, he kept saying, I am the man. I am the man. Let me say this. Many of us want to judge those who are enslaved in their sin. It's easy to do that. Sometimes it lifts us up, makes us feel better than them. Whether it be an addiction, and all types of bondages, etc., it's like they want to remain that way, and they don't. In fact, many people who are going through trials, are going through addiction, going through some kind of bondage, they didn't ask for it. It happens to happen in that circumstance, maybe because of their own decisions, but they don't want to be that. So it's not like they want to remain that way. They are in bondage, spiritually, Blind, not knowing that they call, they can call upon the Lord. They remain stuck. So you see, the neighbors knew him. They knew the old him, the blind beggar. And they said, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? But you know, even now, there are questions like that. Is this not the man Or lady that used to be an alcoholic. Is this not the man or lady who used to get high in that crack house? Is this not the prostitute that worked the corner? It's easy for us to ask those questions. Is this not the fill in the blank, maybe something in your life? But he kept saying, I am the man. I am the man that was blind, that was a blind beggar. And for many of us, I am the man or woman that used to be an alcoholic. I am the man or woman that used to get high in that crack house. I am the prostitute that worked on that corner. But my eyes have seen and have been open and I have received the salvation. Now I worship God, and I have been washed by the blood of Christ. The sad thing is that many don't believe God can change a person. I know many that say, once a bum, always a bum. Once a druggie, always a druggie. They will always be the black sheep of the family. Guess what? God does heal. He opens the spiritual eyes of the spiritually blind. And many were, many of us were there, spiritually blind. So from verses 10 up to 24, the healed man is being interrogated by many, including the Pharisees. Not only did they question him, they also questioned his parents. They did not believe that this man was born blind. They had to actually ask the parents too. And they wanted to find anything they could to accuse Jesus. So, skipping the verse 24. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. They were talking about Christ. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. This is a blind man that was healed by Christ. One thing I do know, that I was blind and now I see. Now, did you just notice what what just happened? What he just did? He shared a very short version of his first testimony, didn't he? He said, hey, I don't know what happened. I don't know much about this person because he didn't at that time. But I know I was blind and now I see. And many of us here have, for starters, that testimony. If you came to Christ, you were spiritually blind before that and now you can see. So we have no reason not to share our testimony one way or another. That in itself is miraculous. So one of the best things we can share as our personal testimony. Why? Because it's our story, isn't it? No one can can disagree. It's our story. It's actually what happened to us. You don't have to necessarily necessarily explain how it happened, but that it did happen to you. And that's exactly what this blind man being healed did. So he was pretty much saying, listen, I don't have all the answers. But let me tell you what I do know. He's talking to the Pharisees. He could have been stoned. He could have been killed. Put in prison. That though I was blind, now I can see. That though I was a drug addict, now I've been delivered and free. That though my marriage was at the verge of divorce, now it's been restored. That though I was an alcoholic, now I have been delivered and I'm free and sober. That though I was a prostitute, now I've been delivered and made pure in the eyes of Christ. That though I suffered from an eating disorder, now I am free. That though I was in sexual bondage, now I have been set free. That though I was caught up in my sin and something strange happened, I met Jesus and now I am free from the sin that kept me in the dark. Many of you have these stories. Many of you can bring glory to God in your suffering. So, do you see how we can take our trials, our hardships and sufferings and bring glory to him with them? To know that you are broken and need help is so important. To go beyond our denial and admit our powerlessness is the beginning of letting go and letting God demonstrate his power in your life. I think of two ministries here at church I'm going to plug in right now. One is Celebrate Recovery. Every Monday night we meet at 6 o'clock and there are some incredible stories on how God has changed lives in ugly circumstances of addiction, bondage, hates, hurts, and hang-ups. And he has turned it around to bring him glory. What's the opposite of that? To continue to be a victim, to continue to actually give glory to the enemy because you feel worthless, because you can't believe you can't change. So Celebrate Recovery is one of them. One of them that's just beginning uh, is a ministry called Mending the Soul. At this time, we only uh, have it for Men. But it's a small group for people who have suffered in abuse of all kinds, whether it be sexual, physical, neglect, trauma. And God can turn that around and bring healing. We're starting one of those in April again for men, and we're praying for one for women. So the church knows that we aren't perfect. The church knows that we've gone through things in our lives But God wants to use those things. And these ministries help and many others. You know, one of the things I remember about my mom, short lady, five feet tall, but she was a giant in my family. She passed away around the age of 50 from heart disease. And I remember the day before she passed away, she requested that the sisters from her church, from the women's ministry, would come and do a service in the waiting room of the hospital. Now, when I say sisters, I'm not talking four or five. I'm talking like probably like 25 ladies. And they got into that waiting room. It was totally packed. And they were praising God, and they're having all kinds of Spanish Pentecostal praising songs. And the whole floor was just full of beautiful sounds. And I remember my mom saying, if God's going to take me, I want him to take me while I'm praising him. And that hospital room, that waiting room was just so full of the glory of God. And that night she went to bed and we got a call that she passed away. And I said to myself, my Lord, what a way. I mean, she could have been laying in that bed. She could have been saying, why me? God, why am I, why am I so sick? but she decided to take her very last day where she could have stood up and be with with the family and friends to praise God to bring him glory and in her life even though she died so young she gave him glory and i have to say that if it wasn't for her i wouldn't be alive today so 2 Corinthians chapter 12 7 through 10 says paul says so keep me So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, this is God, this is Christ, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In the weakness of Paul, in the weakness of the suffering that he was going through, that he was being harassed, this thorn on his side of his flesh. Christ is telling him. My power is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. What does that tell us? That even in our weakness, God's power can be manifested in our lives. He can receive the glory. That his power is made perfect when we are weak. His power isn't perfect when we're boasting. His power isn't perfect when we're saying, I got this, God, I don't need you. But when we are weak, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. Did you just notice what Paul said? I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. He is boasting about his weakness. This is something we need to do more often because we are always boasting about the great things that happen. And yes, amen, we do need to be thankful. But we're losing many opportunities to boast in our weakness and give him glory. So that the power of Christ may be may rest upon me. Imagine that the power of Christ would rest among us. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. Insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak. Then I am strong. Many people might say, well, that's Paul. He's a great hero of the Bible. This applies to us, too. It really does. God is looking for those that are weak and need Christ. Mark chapter two, sixteen through seventeen it says and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating up eating with sinners and tax collectors, they're talking about Christ, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors? And the sinners. But Jesus heard this. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those those who are well have no need of a physician. They have no need of a doctor. If you're well, do you go to a doctor? Probably shouldn't. But those who are sick. But those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So Christ is making a connection between those who are well to those who feel that they're righteous. Those who feel that they are sinless, that they're perfect like the Pharisees were, or they thought they were. But he says, no, I come for those who are sick. And he's not talking about physically sick only. He's talking about spiritually sick, spiritually blind, That's he came for, for us to die on a cross. It's not that the Pharisees are well, but they think that they're well. It's the people who know are sick. It's the people who know that they're broken. Those who, in their weakness, those who know that they are blind, Spiritually, those are the people who the Lord comes to and heals them and gives them sight. So I give you caution today. If you think that you're righteous, that you have no problem, that you see well spiritually, chances are that you don't. Chances are, according to God's word, that you're actually blind, spiritually blind. It's not the self-righteous. It's not the prideful. It's not those who boast about themselves. The people who get saved are those who recognize their weakness. The people who get saved are those who recognize their wretchedness and boast only in God's power. What are you boasting on today? Are you feeling confident that you can stand on your own two feet and that sometimes you can take a week without spending time with God? Chances are you're blind. Chances are you're righteous and prideful and you're boasting in yourself. So, jumping to the end of the chapter, verse 35, Jesus confronts the healed man. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, that they cast out the blind man, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. A little confusing, but he's saying those who do not see those who are spiritually blind can actually see but those who think that they can see by themselves like the pharisees did by the religious ways not with a relationship with Christ would end up not seeing at all some of the pharisees near him heard this heard these things and said to him are you also blind are we also blind they said and jesus said to them if you were blind you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. So Christ saw right through their heart. And he realized, if you were blind, you would not have any guilt at all. Because God would have forgotten you, and God would have covered those guilt and shame. But the Pharisees thought they see. And because of that, their guilt remains in their life, in them. Jesus opens the spiritual eyes of the spiritually blind and brings glory to his Father that way. And I think that one of the best things we can do, one of the best things we should pray for is to embrace our weaknesses. There's nothing to be shameful about. Embrace our weaknesses and rejoice in God when he shows his strength through our life. When he shows strength through that suffering, that trial, that illness, that persecution. Paul knew this well when he said, when I am weak, he is strong. I say also that we are to plead with the Lord to give us that spiritual sight that we need. So that we can see him. Because when you do. We will also start to see more of the struggles. And the sins. That we couldn't see when we were blind spiritually. One of the things that I. uh, I'd like to share about celebrate recovery. is That sometimes as people come. To Christ. And they start to talk about their weaknesses. Some something that they're struggling with. As time goes on. They realize wait a minute. I have something else I'm struggling about. I have another struggle. I have this. I can actually list out more than one from the first time I got here. And at that time, they can do two things. Either realize, I feel terrible. I feel overwhelmed. I have more sins or more struggles than what I thought. But I see it the other way. This is God's way of saying, uh, not only did you come for this, but I'm going to show you all these other things in your life, in your walk with me that I need to purify, that I need to work on. And it's actually an encouragement because you're actually realizing that God is such a caring God, such a merciful God, such a graceful God that he wants to work on everything in your life that we need to give to him. So plead with the Lord to give you that spiritual sight. And that he would show us those sins that we couldn't see. So when we were blind. So then he can cause you and realize how weak you are. Yes. You're weak. And how much more you need God. And how you can glorify God in your weakness. And sufferings. I know some of you. Uh, have a very prideful heart. We all do. And we feel that if we share our weakness, we're going to look weak to others. Or maybe we have this facade of how we want people to see us. And if we share our weaknesses, we're going to look weak to them. And we're going to look weak and feel weak. But if you're going through a trial right now, A suffering or illness, and you haven't asked God, maybe a question like this. Lord, how can you use this to bring you glory? Whatever that is, you fill in the line in your life. It could be a job loss. It could be I'm at the point of losing my marriage. It could be that I'm struggling with some addiction. How can I use this to bring you glory? Because I'm sick and tired of bringing glory to the world, to the enemy, and having people see you as a weak God. How can I do, what can I do to say that even in the midst of this ugliness, I can praise your name and bring you glory, just like your son did with this blind man. Or maybe you want to be able to help others in their suffering. Instead of pointing finger at them, instead of blaming them. I'd like to ask you tonight, to take, this morning, sorry. Uh, I'd like to ask you this morning to take some one-on-one time with God. That He may show you those areas that we are keeping to ourselves. Because that's exactly what we're doing. We're keeping Him to ourselves. We feel like, God, we don't think you can do anything big with this. God, we don't think you can receive glory from this trial. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from our own pride that he may show you those areas that we are keeping to ourselves instead of giving them to God for his glory. So this morning, that pride, that fear of looking weak, that fear or that lie that you're believing that God can't use this in my life to bring him glory. I just ask you that that you would give it to him and he would do miraculous things. It can bring others to Christ with your testimony, with your story. It can bring peace to you knowing that even in this ugliness, I can still give him thanks and glory.